Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this week's podcast episode. In this week's episode, we are going to be talking about a very important topic, I believe, for authority site owners, and that is whether ads have now superseded affiliate income in terms of preferred monetization method. And we are going to also take this opportunity to explore the archetypes of sites that you can build from the sites that are fully optimized for ad revenue to the sites that are fully optimized for affiliate and kind of like everything in between and how you should slightly tweak your strategy depending on which one you are actually going for and when you should go for which one. So it's going to be a pretty interesting debate with Mark. We also found a bunch of examples to make it more interesting. I'm not gonna tease you anymore. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the now pretty interesting and heated debate of ads versus affiliate in 2022. Which one should you focus on? And maybe talk about the differences between sites that use ads as their main monetary method versus affiliate when they are trying to just do affiliate and not using ads. And also when people are mixing, when should you mix? When should you not mix? All these questions that people might be asking when they're building websites. We're going to be talking about this and debating about this with Mark. And Mark, how's it going? <laughs> It's going good as always, Gail. I was on anticipation of when you were going to make that transition into the how's it going section there. I kind but of come I think up with it, you know, a, so. That was a, do you script that or do you just kind of <laughs> wing it every time? <laughs> I just think like five seconds before we start and then it never goes the way I thought about it. And then that's it. And the podcast is recorded, you know, all you know, all you know, thousands of people are listening to my random ramblings, you know. One and done. I love it. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's story of my life. But anyway, that my life is not that interesting to people. What is interesting to people listening to this podcast is ads versus affiliate. And I think really that debate started being legitimate when Amazon cut their commissions. I think like it, now it's like two, three years ago. I mean, it was 2020, right? Beginning of the pandemic. And uh, they're not coming back, basically. They've right? been cutting their commissions several times over the last few years. I'm not sure how much lower they can realistically go. We'll, we'll have to wait well, and see on that one. I mean, in my opinion, they can still go lower because it's like, look at how many people still use Amazon. Like now we're like two years in, right? It's not like, oh, people are going to figure it out. People are going to switch, et cetera. Like people were also speculating of like, oh, uh, they're going to bring it back up after the pandemic, et cetera. I mean, it's not exactly over, but at this point, I don't believe they're bringing it back up, right? And um, it's been like between that and on the other side, these kind of like meta uh, ad networks that came out for small publishers like AdStrive, Ezoic, Mediavine, etc. just starting to offer like really good rates. Basically the way it works is, you know, big sites, they have like advertising departments that like talk to advertisers and sell advertising, kind of the old school way, right? I mean, it's a mix of that and automated networks like AdSense. Uh, you know, AdStrive, Mediavine, Ezoic, etc. they're doing the same work like big sites do. Like they have an advertising department, except they do that to monetize a network of blogs that they sign up and kind of like vet for their advertisers. And that's a way for people to reach like niches, etc. It's quite interesting for advertisers. And in exchange, they take about 15%, depending on the companies, etc. It changes over time of the revenue. But the fact that they take 15% is not really an issue because they usually massively beat you managing your own ads. And then provided you would reach the same results, it would take you so much time to deal this, with this uh, negotiation of like multiple network. They have algorithms that calculate in real time which one will pay more, etc. Like you could do that, right? There was a platform made by Google. I think it was a DFP. I mean, uh, 
I can't remember exactly the name, but like I played with it. It's extremely complicated. It's not fun to use. Takes a lot of time, and you get lower results than using one of these networks, even though they take fifteen percent. So overall, it's a no-brainer. It's it's one of these win-win situation in businesses that you shouldn't hesitate and use. And if you combine that with things like, for example, retargeting that has been that's I think been the big difference to this. Over and the last we'll talk a lot years. about that. There's some tech changes coming actually uh, that will change this, but. You know, before advertising, you were like, oh, if you have a finance site, you will make a lot of money because people pay a lot for finance content. And if you have a cooking site, well, you can't really sell something to the mom that's trying to make a, a recipe or maybe a, a weight loss program or something like this. And uh, well, that's that's how you target, right? <laughs> no, that's how you target, right? It's like you... you I don't know. I, I feel like that was a... Was that like an insult at everybody's mom or something? No, but like, I mean, if you take the, the mom that cooks at home, etc., they are the target for like weight loss stuff. Like that's why all the influencers that target moms as well are selling you shitty slimming tea on Instagram, you know, like because they're making money by talking to a demographic, you know. So, but like in the end, it's like it was harder to monetize that audience. So the, the revenue per thousand visits on a finance blog versus like a cooking blog would be felt like very, very different, you know, like 10x difference or something. Now there is a difference, but it's more of the order of like 20 to 40 percent, maybe something like this. Not like 10x difference. And that uh, these technologies like retargeting and people having their audiences that they want to show ads to, regardless of where they are on the internet, helped a lot with that. And that helped uh, advertising be viable in every, in every niche. I think also there's just this, like the uh, cost of, ad, of ads is going up because ultimately it's a marketplace. There's only so many places that it can be shown. And so people with the lower converting, less profitable offers or products to advertise are are not doing it and they're being forced to kind of up their game and then spend more to make more. And it's, you know, anyone who advertises on Google or Facebook or any of these platforms, they'll know how much costs have gone up, you know, even in the last year or two. But certainly there's a there's a, a trend over over the long term. So as a marketplace, that also means that the person, the, the publisher is going to be getting paid a bit more for that as well. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, right? So you have kind of like the king of affair programs that goes like this, and you have ads that go like this, and they're kind of like starting to play in the same way now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like before, it was like it's very niche dependent and all these things, and like quite often, good affiliate niches do pay quite a lot more than ads, etc. Like we're not trying to say, oh my god, this is the new Eldorado, and I think a lot of newbies like ads also because it allows you to monetize on easy to rank keywords. I mean, we see this on one of the sites we're working on right now, which is basically the business the business plan is just like write for as many easy keywords as possible and just slap some ads on the pages and just collect the check at the end of the month that's the business plan don't give that one to a VC I don't think you get any funding but that's pretty much the plan and and it works well and you know I'm thinking of a I mean, I don't want to I don't want to insult him, but I'm thinking of John Dijkstra because John Dijkstra is really, really successful with that model, basically. So it's like it's a simple business model, but the trick in the is in the execution and most importantly in the volume. And I think we're gonna start getting into the differences of sites that focus on affiliate versus ads now. Because ads in general, like again, I give numbers and people always correct me on the numbers on like Twitter and stuff, because of it's it's very hard, but like from my experience, like twenty to forty bucks per thousand visits using these meta networks is, is about right for what you make. You still need quite a bit of traffic to make money. And actually for that, I actually found some examples of sites that seem to be focusing mostly on ads 
to make money, not only for the second one, but the first one. And I, I kind of like made an estimate of how much they make compared to how much traffic they have. So the first one is the recipecritic.com, which is a DR74 site that focuses on recipes and gets 4.9 million visits per month and uses uh, AdStrive to monetize. I've estimated that maybe they make $30 per thousand visitors, could be 20, could be 40, you know, that's probably in that range. And if they made 30, then they would be making $147,000 per month just from ads on that one website, which is like DR74 is like, it's high, but, but reachable. it's not that high. Uh, yeah, it's reachable. It's like small publishers can reach that level of authority, like 85, etc. Like it's a bit harder, you know, like uh, at some point, like people seem to be capping at 79, 80 as like small publishers. And it's kind of hard to go beyond that. But 74 is like, we've had, Multiple sites in that range. It'll, it'll take you some time and a some, lot yes, of effort, yeah, for but sure. yeah. it's doable. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one, I, th I thought you would like that one. It's called the datingdivas.com. It's a DR16. Why would I like that one? It's funny because, okay, the, the point, the headline is like saving, like uh, strengthening your marriage one date at a time. And it's like, I was like, well, since it's been 10 years, I'm still not married. It's like, it's, it's concerning you more than me at this point. Uh, so. <laughs> So that, that's pretty much, but most importantly, they are the just, just to be sites. clear for anyone who's listening, when Gail says it's been 10 years and I'm still not married, it's not just randomly 10 years of being single. It's You've been engaged for 10 years. Yes, I'm going for the world record, okay? And uh, uh, I actually looked this up. And no, according to the Guinness World of Records, <laughs> it's uh, 69 years is the oh, longest God. engagement. So I don't think you're quite going to make it. I'll be single before I break the record, I think. <laughs> anyway. This site is DR69 and they get 888,000 organic traffic, according to Ahrefs, right? It does, it's not, Ahrefs tends to underestimate numbers. I, I like to put all these disclaimers because people are just going to quote me on this. I estimated they probably make a little bit more RPM than the recipe critic because they are like dating and all that stuff. And even though retargeting, etc., has helped, there's always a bit of a difference on sites that have topics that tend to be more monetizable. Like these ones have estimated $40 RPM. And again, that site can make just from that $35,500 per month. So these are like big businesses. I mean, imagine Recipe Critic, 147 grand a month. It's a big business at this much traffic and this much content that they have expenses, right? It's not like yeah. they just pocket that every month and that's it. a lot of content on there, so. Exactly. But these, the dating device guy, they also have like programs and stuff like 10 minute marriage challenge and like date ideas and stuff like that. Interesting stuff, basically. But like it shows you like examples of sites that like really have capitalized on the ads and what you notice is that uh, to make good money, they need a lot of content. They have a lot of pages, but not all pages are A grade. You know, I, I kind of put this as like B grade content. Like you do have a point where you lean towards volume versus like pure quality because you're kind of aiming for these like lower competition keyword, lots of volume, etc. So compared to like competitive affiliate sites, for example, you spend less time per page because you just can't. Like you need that much, that volume, etc. So do you want to say anything on these sites? No, but I did want to touch on something else, and that's what you said earlier about info content keywords typically being lower competition than affiliate keywords. We've all seen the big publishers, newspapers, big media companies get into the affiliate game for vacuum cleaners and all these, these high-end, high-value consumer products. Now, don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of niches, a lot of keywords. We've had a lot of success on, on some of our newer sites recently and with, with affiliates as well. However, I wanted to sort of like push back a little bit on this, this issue about them being lower competition because while I think most info content 
is lower competition. You tend to have to have a lot more content and a lot more traffic in order to make the same amount yeah, of yeah. money. So is there, there a balance I'm not there? saying it's easier, but that's the thing. And that's why you have less time per page. So if you want to make the same amount of money, let's say you have the same amount of resources, the same amount of money coming into your business every year, every month, whatever. On the affiliate side, that is in the competitive niche where you make lots of money per page, etc. You will spend a lot of time per page. You will like, I kind of like, I was thinking of these stone sculptors that like spend like days just sculpting the perfect carving in the stone, etc. And here, like you don't have so much time. You need you know, thousands and thousands of pages to be like one of these sites, like these two example sites, they do have lots and lots and lots of content. And you open a given content page and it's like, it's okay, like it answers the query, but it's not going to have like custom graphics. It's not going to have like extremely detailed stuff. Like it's usually written by freelance writers or something like, but that's an interesting point as well. Like it's a, this business model is kind of like easier to outsource as well because of that. And I think for the people who want to like build fully outsourced content publishing businesses. It's quite cool because like you just focus on traffic, you can outsource most of the work, really like most of the grunt work. Whereas like outsourcing very, very high quality affiliate content, it's a little bit more difficult, you know, as you as you know. Actually, one of our customers, uh, Sumit, he's a, he does in one of our testimonial videos, a very, very successful guy. This is essentially his business model. Like he doesn't like having a team. So he doesn't like hiring people, he doesn't like managing people. So all of his content, all of his links, like everything he does aside from the kind of strategy, some keyword research and a few other bits and pieces is outsourced to agencies, service providers. He doesn't have to directly manage anyone. And that's doable, as he says, it's doable when the business model is is kind of ads. But if you were to go into certainly more competitive affiliate niche spaces, that gets much harder to do when you're uh, when you're outsourcing content to an agency, say. Yeah, so I think it's kind of like that's why we start differentiating the types of sites, and like I think they're all viable. Some spoiler alert, but uh, uh, I think that uh, if you're the person that wants to like outsource everything, not really put any work, not really involve yourself too much in your niche, that kind of stuff, I think ads are starting to become more interesting than affiliate marketing, in my opinion, because of the level of competition in affiliate marketing, you do need to make better sites to be competitive, you know? The one caveat I'd maybe put to you on on that is from the perspective of someone, say, maybe looking to quit their job or make job replacement income from their site, certainly you have to invest more if you're outsourcing content in that way and you have a lot more content. So there's, there's that. And it's very hard to get the level alone. You know, if you write yourself, you can't. It's hard to get the volume of content you need to make enough money from ads at the beginning, you know. But also the amount of traffic your site needs in order yeah. to make a few thousand dollars to live off of each month. We're talking well over a hundred thousand visitors if you're relying solely on ads. Whereas with affiliate, you can do it with ten, twenty, thirty thousand visitors. I mean, niche dependent, all that kind of caveats. But it's realistic to get there sooner, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's like 75K if you make $40 per thousand visitors. So it's like- uh, the, thi- the thing is 40K is quite high and you tend to need- No, 75K uh, you need to get to yeah, make $4,000. But you're talking about $40 RPM. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah, yeah it that's, could be that's, on, that's definitely on the higher, higher end of, of things. And typically what happens is the fewer traffic your site has, the lower the RPM is because they can't test it so well. Like they're they're not. That's true. They just don't have the the, the not that, of data. But there's a threshold. Like you cannot join these things. Like you cannot join Mediavine with less than 50k traffic, and you cannot join AdSrive with less than 100k traffic. So you're really not getting 
paid. Like if you put AdSense on your site or like, I mean, you can put Ezoic. It's like kind of like the, the poor man's ads, right? I would say. I'm going to get loved again for saying that. But uh, yeah, you can, I guess Ezoic is not bad. They take people at a very low level of traffic and it's it's still better than anything else at low traffic. But yeah, there's a bit of that kind of like accelerator effect when you get to a better networks. Another thing I wanted to talk about about ads you know how we say that retargeting is like helping a lot, uh, of like driving the, the price of ads up and pe- people making good money from it. Well, retargeting is a little bit under attack right now. So there's two things that are affecting that. The first one is that iOS is now blocking ad trackers, as we can tell from our Facebook ads, as you know. And so like, it's very hard for advertisers to track their sales from Facebook ads and from ads in general through iOS, which means that it's, you know, when you can't tell how much money you're making from buying ads, you tend to spend less, right? So you tend to like be a bit more careful, et cetera, and cut your budgets. And if this tendency keeps going, and it's very likely this the similar thing's gonna happen to Android, like just peer pressure, push for privacy type thing. It's very, very likely this would happen. Although people will be like, oh, it's Google, they, they sell advertising, etc." I'll talk a little bit about what they're going to do, Google. Uh, but another thing is that Google, uh, Google Chrome is about to kill third-party cookies as well. And the thing is, a lot of these ad networks do generate revenue for you through selling. Question, yeah? what the hell is a third-party cookie? Okay, I actually searched for that before the podcast to be sure I can answer, actually. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm so happy. It's like it was a huge bait and you just uh, just got it. Anyway, there's basically first-party cookie and third-party cookie. First-party cookie is a cookie that is set on your site by the site you're visiting. So if you're visiting Amazon and they set a cookie on your computer, like remembering the stuff you visited and the products you've seen, etc., that's not going to be blocked by Google Chrome. They're okay with that. But like, let's say you embed a YouTube video on your blog post. YouTube loads cookies and starts tracking your views and the way you use the website as well. And that is going to be blocked by Chrome very soon. They're already testing it and Chrome is going to start blocking these things. And they have a system to replace it and I'll talk about it in a second. But the thing is these ad networks, they do make some of the money that they get you through also loading a bunch of cookies from other people, building audiences, selling audiences for retargeting and all that stuff. And that stuff is particularly under attack with these kind of updates when they load, like when you check like when you do a page speed inside on the site that loads ads right, for example, you see all the cookies they're loading and all the, the, the scripts they're loading, etc. And that kind of stuff, it, I, I haven't tested exactly, so I can't tell you for sure that's going to be blocked. But it looks like it looks to be the kind of stuff that uh, these updates are targeting. And if it doesn't work anymore, networks like AdThrive, MediaVine, etc., will not be able to sell that anymore unless they have a technical workaround for this. Which is possible. I, I just, uh, I, I think they, they, they're communicating quite a lot about it. But if, and then that means that they could pay you less per visit. So it's like it could be a problem with the kind of like privacy focused, you know, direction tech is taking and like all these things. And, and it's, it's, it's a big deal, basically. So for now, it's working, but Google is actually working on an alternative system. It's quite complicated. It's mostly for ads, AdWords, from what I know. It's called Flock. I was thinking of uh, doing the thumbnail for this podcast, like Flock You or something like that. And uh, <laughs> But that's terrible. Nobody's going to get it, so probably won't do that. Uh, so maybe our editor wants to make a, a mock version of that. But basically, it puts people into groups 
of similar people but might have visited the site or something, but it's kind of like Google taking all that data and doing a bit like what they do with uh, Facebook audiences where you don't really see anything. And then you can buy ads to these groups. But I have a friend of mine who spends a lot of money on AdWords. Like he spends over a million a month on AdWords and I was talking to him about that new system. And he tells me his conversions dropped a lot since they switched to that basically. And so it's a problem. And he was telling me a lot of people are already starting to cut ads to people on iOS now, for example. So they just run ads on Android desktop and things like that. Well, well, they can still do the full tracking, but if that becomes more widespread, it's going to be a bit of a threat to ads because obviously if people start cutting ads to platforms, then there's less people competing for your ad impressions, then people pay you less, for example. And so that could become a problem. I'm not saying it is a problem yet, but it's something like if you are making money with ads, it's kind of the kind of topic you want to keep yourself aware of. Like I am not fully, fully versed into that, but it's something I'm trying to keep an eye on and trying to understand. And it could change the world of these networks that we all like these days. It makes sense. Like I know from our own experience running ads for Authority Hacker that the data you get now from <laughs> uh, iOS is, is just bad. Like it's, it's missing a lot of conversions. So you're spending money and you don't really know if it's converting yeah. and, and all this stuff. So it's a, it's a bit... I can see why people are very cautious to spend extra money on ads in these areas at the moment. Because if that, anything, it's going to prove and grow a lot, RPM. right? Like you know, yeah. they come to the management, they have a PowerPoint, and they can't justify sales or something to their manager. So they're like, "Well, we're not going to put more money if we don't know if it's making money or something." Just yeah. buy some random TV ad, and so it's something to keep in mind. And that's something that I think a lot of people who monetize with us they're not very technical usually. Like they just like set and forget. But I think it's something to pay attention to if you uh, care about ads. It doesn't mean it's a pro it's going to completely be a problem. There are, you know, opportunities to do walkarounds and stuff, but with the way they sell a lot of uh, data to third parties, this network could be a little bit in trouble. And there are limitations to affiliate marketing for that too, and I'll talk about that when we get to that section. But there, there's also implications for affiliate. It's not just that. I think let's just jump onto the affiliate side of things now. Well there's, well, there's one other thing okay. I wanted to talk about, actually, and that's link building. So for very heavy affiliate, like commercial affiliate-focused sites that have most of their content being reviews, roundup reviews, these kinds of articles, natural link acquisition and free outreach link acquisition can be a challenge. Nobody wants to link to your review because they just know you're in it for the money. There's not really much value you're giving away for free in that sense. And affiliate pages, reviews, etc., they just don't pick up good links naturally. Now that's changed a little bit in terms of dynamics of, of outreach with more and more sites these days in the lower and mid end of the spectrum demanding money for outreach. So if, you're, if you are paying for links, then they don't care. You give them the money, they'll link to wherever. So by all means, you know, focus on your affiliate pages. That's fine. But it's just an interesting dynamic for, for like when your site's in the growth phase and you're trying to acquire as many links as possible that ad focused sites, which tend to be just naturally more info content anyway, are going to acquire more links quickly and therefore potentially grow faster. Yeah, I think you also get that, more of that passive link building effect because these sites have a lot more info content. And like, like when you rank for a lot of info content, you just end up being getting links. Like it's just how it works. It's not like a ton, etc. But when you have lots and lots of pages ranking, like it becomes a significant force in your in your growth. Yeah. I remember uh, we, we ranked neg for negative effects of coffee for a couple of years, actually. We were number one. And we got so many journalists quoting us. I think we actually quoted 
Huffington by like Post, six, like six yeah. different countries yeah. Huffington Post in separate articles, not translated versions of each. And they clearly just Google it, go to the top uh, and find some points and stick it in there. So, Yeah, so that is kind of nice. And, and that's the thing. It's like when you have that running and you're big enough, then all you really have to do is content. Like you don't even have to have a strong link building system in place as much as you would with an affiliate site, for example, or a site that focuses more on affiliate. Let's talk about affiliate sites now and affiliate-only sites because then we're going to talk about kind of like using both. So I like to take examples to show people, like people can check it out, etc. So I have two examples that are quite different. The first one is a classic, I would say, affiliate site would be security.org, DR75, 518,000 search traffic ranks for a lot of like VPN keywords, but also like a camera, security camera keywords, etc. Really cool website. If you want like an inspiration for like a good uh, affiliate site, it's pretty cool. And another one is like much bigger and like I, I would say like a real authority in the sense that people know that guy. It's like moneysavingexpert.com. DR83, 5.8 million search traffic. This one, this is the, the part where it's like very hard to get as a small publisher, but it's a cool site. They do have a lot of classic affiliate content that is very well put together. Similar to security.org, to be honest, they have a deal section. And if you sign up for the email list, they're also pretty aggressive on that and they're doing a pretty good job. So uh, if you want to see like a, a, a really, really well-executed authority site, it's pretty much impossible to do it on their level without a lot, a lot of resources. But if you want to learn by observing, it's a cool site to look at, actually. It's interesting just to compare these two sites to the two ad sites that we talked about yes. earlier, because they're, they're not a million miles away in terms of traffic. Yeah. Um, from each other. How much do you think these sites, if you had to guess, do you think these I mean, sites make? Money save, I, mean, I guess Money Saving Expert is not that far from the recipes site, right? So I guess the recipes yeah. site was estimated like 150k a month at 30 RPM. I mean, Money Saving Expert makes millions a month, like for sure. Like between the, the deals, et cetera, they get, like they, they, they make millions. I would say two to four million a month or something, something like that in that range. Security.org, they do really well on a lot of like VPN keywords and these pay really high uh, amounts. And when you sell a lot, you get higher commissions in that niche. They probably make like, it's hard. It's very hard to guess this one, but like, I don't know, 500 to 800k a month, something like this, something like that. Yeah. I'd say possibly even seven figures for that one, Maybe. Knowing, knowing that niche. It's, yeah, it's difficult to estimate because like we haven't been on that size of a volume of sales in that niche. So it's like, I can't tell you how much the deal is for, um, but I know it pays well and it scales really well as well. So the really cool site, Boson, and they make significantly more than the ad sites. I think that's that's the thing. If you want like a high ceiling, you can make a lot of money with ads, but like if, if you're on a site that makes seven figures per month, it's very hard to do it just with just ads. I mean, the site that gets like almost 5 million traffic estimates at 150K, even if I'm wrong and it's double, right? Even if it's 300K, still very far from seven figures, whereas we're pretty sure both of the other sites make like much closer to seven figures than this guy. So if you want to be like on the on the big league without running your own product, because that's, I think it's also even easier to reach that with your own products, then affiliate uh, sites in niches that have high paying offers because both of them are in pay, niches that pay a lot. So like one is in security, both physical, where they sell like subscriptions of guys who check your cameras and call the police for you, etc. If that happens, uh, VPNs and um, financial services, basically. So these are like, you need to get into these niches if you want to make that kind of money. Otherwise, I think if you are just an Amazon site, then it's much more comparable to us, I would say. 
It's almost like Amazon plays in the same league as ads now, and he's play on the league above that. And the thing, yeah, as you were mentioning, like you can make job replacement income with not that much traffic. And I mean, the case study site on the Autorisa system actually shows us that. I mean, it's not exactly fully at the point where I would say like it's job replacement income, but it's pretty close, you know? I mean, it gets traffic, but we're, we're not in the millions. <laughs> like, definitely yeah, not. Quite far uh, off it. So, like, I mean, for the people who do the course, you guys know the site, but like, it's, it, the growth is uh, significant these days. Yeah, and it's not running any ads. It's like one of these uh, pure affiliate sites, right? Anything you want to add on this model? I was just having a look at the so money saving expert. It's part of a bigger group, but they're a public company. So I was just having a look at their uh, their oh, the financial stock? reports. Oh, you can see. Yeah, and they make three hundred and forty million pounds a year oh, in revenue. Yeah, but they have other um, stuff, I guess. That, that's that's across, I think, four properties. One of them is possibly bigger. They have this money supermarket, which uh, is a, yeah, that's big, yeah. like insurance, you know, comparison portal. Yeah, yeah. But still, you know, it's so you, much you, money. You, per you, site, you, imagine. You've got to think they're making yeah, tens of millions wrong. a month with this this then one. That was site. wrong. It's higher for sure. Yeah. It's also finance as well, right? It's yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. probably the most profitable, one of the most profitable niches there is. Yeah. So one thing I like with affiliate sites and pure affiliate sites, even competitive niches, is uh, you can target really long tail keywords. So like the, the trade-off is like for ad sites, you can target still keywords in the thousands of volume, and they are still easy because there's no commercial intent behind. The only way to monetize is slap some ads on it, and there's just less competition. Uh, for affiliate, it's not the case. Like, keywords in the thousands in these competitive niches, yeah, you're going to see big sites there, and it's going to be hard to beat them, but you can go for much smaller keywords, sometimes below 100. Like I'm thinking like VS keywords, alternative keywords, etc., and get traffic fairly early and have revenue like at least similar to ads, I would say. Like I would say it's better, but I would say it's not far. You just target these really, really long tail queries that are highly commercial and you grow from there. You, then you go for the more competitive stuff as you grow from there. I think that's important to really state that you can use that as a way to bootstrap yourself more easily rather than with an ad site investing all yeah. this money in a ton of content waiting till you've got a hundred thousand visitors or whatever and you're on ad thrive uh, and then starting to make money back you know when you have two thousand three thousand visitors you can already start not necessarily turning a profit but like covering some of your costs and making it easier to sustain your to sustain the growth with very little investment yeah then it's the money you make that is spent not the money that it comes out of your pocket whereas with ads it comes a lot later and that's the thing that's why i prefer people starting with affiliate because it scales faster early on and because it requires less content you know, people can write the content themselves. If people really don't have the budget or something, you can write yourself. Making a site that is monetized with ads where I would have to write everything myself, I mean, that would be a bit of a nightmare, you know? It's something where I would want actually more capital for an ads-based site, I would say. So that's why. And as we said earlier, the RPM is can be a lot higher. I mean, I think you had some examples of uh, some sites we're working on. So can you share that? Yeah, so we're just, we're just having a look. And th this is pretty small sample sizes, right? So... Um, you know, that we're looking at individual pages here. And we have one page which is a $108 RPM. We have another one which is over $500 RPM. That's only over like a, a one month period. So read into that what you will. A more standard range for an affiliate page would be sort of like $60 to $70. 60 now, 70 is like good Amazon pages too, I would say. Like, yeah. So I would put it. 
I mean, this is non-Amazon. And I think the best earning or the best RPM affiliate sites you'll see will will be non-Amazon ones. Um, so take that into consideration as well. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so you can make quite a bit. I mean, we were saying like 20 to 44 ads. So like, I mean, some... I, I, I will say, I think 40 is probably on the higher end and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a stretch, right? Uh, of course, it's like it's within the range, and it's like you know most people are going to be somewhere in the middle. Some people will be at the, like it's going to be a curve, right? And that's how you should be looking at it. And and again, it depends on the time of the year. So for example, now it's January, it's the worst time for ad RPM. Like I'm pretty sure very few people make forty bucks right now because of that. You know, like it seems like uh, ad revenue is dropping quite a bit as well at the beginning of this year. Like a lot of um, there's been a lot of like out of stock products, for example. Yeah, so they cut the ads. They cut the ads actually, and so that's a problem uh, for people who monetize with ads, for example. So I would, it's like, yeah, this January is a bit, it's a bit of a tougher one. Um, I saw a graph actually this week around the time it takes to ship goods from China, I think, to Europe, and it's basically it's still going up. Um, It it hasn't stopped getting worse. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna go to why, etc. That's not the podcast. But yeah, it's a problem for us. Like it becomes a problem because obviously when you have no stocks, you don't spend money on ads. And so like your ad revenue drops, et cetera. Same with affiliate though. Like the problem can also happen with affiliate because if it's out of stock, you, you just link to another stock product and you get no money, you know? So there are tools that allow you to actually track uh, for Amazon if the product is still on in stock. For not Amazon, it's a bit more complicated. I would say check your check your pages, but like... It's one of these things, right? Either product, it's kind of a question that I don't have an answer to, but if a product you're promoting is out of stock, like do you change it on your page or not? And if you change that product, are you risking your rankings? <laughs> and it's like, you know, like, do you just suffer having being out of stock for a bit? Or do you gamble your rankings? And it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's a tricky one, you know? If you wanted to know, you should probably look at the uh, graphics card review section of affiliate sites because they're oh, all the GeForce ones are out of stock. You just can't buy them anywhere. Yeah, actually, I might look at that, actually. It's a good idea. Well, it's a question I don't have, like, a, it's it's one of these things where I would, like, I would like, want to test it, like, many times. I've tried sometimes. Most of the time, I didn't lose my rankings, but it, sometimes it moved a bit. Like, you go from, like, if you go to, like, from 2 to 4 or something, it's very infuriating because you lose, like, a lot of traffic. So, yeah. But anyway, going back to, like, affiliate-only sites, they need to be in these competitive niches with high-paying offer. You have lower amounts of A-grade content, you spend a lot more time per page, you craft them well, you have your comparison tables, your, your, all of that. Uh, you usually spend more time on the editorial as well because everyone else is doing that. All your competition is trying to do a better, a really good job because it pays a lot of money. And if you don't do that, your content is worse and your content is worse, you don't rank, you know? And uh, matching the search intent and analyzing the top competitors, making sure you cover all the topics they covered, all of that, you need to do that for these competitive niches. It works really well, but it takes quite a bit more work than like an ads-based article, I would say. I like to also start very niche and expand later. I've mentioned that many times, but basically now if I start a new site, I would prefer going being a specialist of one subtopic because, you know, I feel queries are like significantly more competitive now. So it's like, it, it's if you're not a specialist and you are low DR, you have no chance to rank for good queries. But if you're a specialist, like I gave this example of like specializing in drone versus photography, for example, and you have a chance to rank for like best drones, best drones for photography, if you have a drone-only site. But if you're a photography site, 
not until you're DR80, you know? And so like you have a chance to pick up like pretty decent keywords by being a specialist. So like these affiliates on the site, I would do that. I would go special, specialist first and then expand later. And I think you spend less time on just growing your traffic and more time on like CRO and making sure the offers are better, negotiating with the affiliate managers and things like that, etc. And that's it. And I like this model. I think it's kind of like, it's a misunderstood model because it's out of the Amazon realm usually. And like many people kind of like struggle with it, but when you make it work, it's... Uh, probably my favorite type of site because I I prefer creating like really high quality pages basically I kind of enjoy it better I think there's also there's also something to be said for what you're competing against your competitors on within ad sites as you said before it's more about execution output throughput like scaling those kind of things yeah and while while those things are important with affiliate sites if you're someone who has a a really good eye If you're someone who has a really good eye for quality and, you know, being sort of objective, judgmental and presenting information and like those, those kind of things, then you probably stand a better chance of competing because there's a lot of bad reviews out there, right? There's a lot of people take that ads site mentality and try and scale up reviews in the same way. And it, you know, can sometimes not, not lead to such great results. Yeah, you get more rewarded for going the extra mile than you do with like an ads focus. Ads focus is like people who own processes, people who want to get out of there, don't get too involved, build a team that does everything and just do nothing. And like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's. Yeah, I mean, you can still do that with affiliate sites, but it's, it's just more It will require uh, more to, involvement, to at yeah. least at the beginning. And you'll probably be yeah. involved longer, I would say. But the ceiling is higher. So it's like, I mean, no pain, no gain, basically. <laughs> but ads, ad sites are cool too. Like it, that we're running one right now and it's like, I like it. I like it too. It's just, um, it's just a very different beast. But I think there's another type of site that we haven't mentioned now. And that's the ones that use a bit of both. And I think these are your typical sites that usually monetize with mostly with Amazon when they do affiliate and kind of mix that with ads. And I think they're kind of like a separate category from like sites in like very competitive niches in affiliate marketing. And they also separate from ads only site because they still write round of previews, they still do all of that, etc. But usually they're not the sites that focus on these extremely, extremely competitive subs, rather like common goods and uh, things like that that you will where you will recommend Amazon products. And the example site I have for this is our friend Kevin at epicgardening.com, DR69, 480k organic traffic, but he has also 1.5 million YouTube subscribers now. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's the, really the Jamie Oliver of, of uh, gardening at this point. But he actually still makes a lot of money from roundup reviews, and that's something I wanted to remind people. That's why he started, and he runs that strive on his site. And for example, I gave this example of this uh, best plant humidifier page where he just runs, I'm pretty sure it's AWP that he's running as the comparison table on his site and he's running ads drive next to that. He's also running his e-com, so he's doing a bit of everything really. But it shows you shows you where I started. It's I like that because it's like he's doing really well now, but like he started with that classic model of like Amazon plus ads. And that's one of these things. There's been that debate and I agree with that that usually having ads, even a random preview, does not decrease affiliate revenue. And we've observed that. Which is well. kind of counterintuitive. Like we were almost afraid to do that at first because we thought, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course it's going to decrease. I think we're one of the first who tried and uh, and talked about it actually like a long yeah. time ago. It, but it really had like no effect. I'm not even talking like 1% decline, like zero decline in conversions for the affiliate, affiliate sales on the same pages yeah. as well. 
But I have a bit of a counter argument to that. So it's like that is all of that is true, right? But usually these tests are run on Amazon sites. And usually these are, I would say, less competitive affiliate queries. It's not always the case, but you know, when there's like a, an offer that pays you 100 dollars $200, $300, usually the, the subs tend to become more competitive, etc. So competitive, in fact, that page experience becomes a really big deal. And so that's where ads are a bit of a problem. They, they fuck up your core vitals. They make the experience clunky, et cetera. And when everyone else has an excellent experience, so again, I've mentioned, for example, the VPN market, right? So try to Google some VPN keywords for popular devices, like best VPN for MacBook, best VPN for Android, best VPN for a smart TV, for example. You will see that none of the sites run ads, uh, even, even though we've just said that. And that is because... If you're the only odd guy running ads, having a worse page experience, and everyone else has excellent page experience, excellent, perfectly optimized content, a lot of backlinks, etc., you're still worst, and you will not rank for these queries. So you see how like I I agree with that advice on like these kind of like hybrid model sites, but on competitive affiliate queries, I would probably not run ads if nobody else is. Where do you draw the line then, though? Because I think some people watching will be like, well, my is my is mine competitive enough to warrant doing that or not doing that? It is a tricky one. Usually, I mean, usually you know it, but like for me, it's kind of like the line on like Amazon versus high paying offer. Like how much do you make per sale? You know, like when you sell a product on Amazon, it's like five bucks. People are not really putting all the resources in the world behind these queries. When you make hundreds of dollars per sale or whatever, like people will go the extra mile to be better and spend days and days and days on like that single blog post and like re-optimize it, change that one keyword here and try to get one more ranking, etc. When you're on this level of competition, yeah, ads become a bit of a problem. And so uh, w- would you say if you're if you're making under ten dollars, say, in commission per sale from affiliate, then you should consider it or is, is it a bar higher? I'm trying to find an example of like a product where you make 10 bucks per sell. I say like DNA testing, for example, is probably, it's about, I think you make about that. I, I didn't check for a while, but I, I would say that. You probably won't find ads on the people who run that, but I'd say if you have a really good site, you probably can run ads. I think it's around that. It's it's very difficult to say, to be honest. Usually I, I would observe, right? It's like, is anyone else running ads? Are they doing well? If they are, I mean, I'll try. Also, Feel free to turn the ads on, see what happens, and cut them if it doesn't work. Or vice versa, try to cut the ads and see if you are doing better with sales, etc. Like the advice we give on this podcast is like anecdotal experience. It's not like we didn't try every website, etc. And it's important for people to test. And as it's important to put a little bit of it depends in everything, you know. <laughs> it, all, all, it always depends, guys. This is SEO. I think an, another source that's worth looking to if you're thinking about this is website sales so either facebook groups or empire flippers fe these these kind of places because what a lot of sites do when they're thinking of selling is they try and maximize their monetization so they'll run more ads more aggressive ads on their affiliate pages and stuff as well and well, at least the ones that are being sold it tends to work out quite favorably so you can get some some kind of extra anecdotes from that's from a that. tricky one as well because you know how it works like you can run these things for like a few months and then Google kind of like averages your experience over the last six months, one year, and kind of like punishes you right after. So it's kind of like going up, Google's like, oh, actually, this site is much shittier now. Boom. And then that's just after they sold the website, you know? So yes and no. I would say like be a little bit careful with that because uh, it can bite you in the ass over time. And I would, yeah. So it's that's why you need to kind of like place yourself in one of these three archetypes of site. 
So that is mostly focused on ads and is trying to just publish lots of content, maybe spend a bit less time per page, but target these info keywords with good volume, but that are very easy to rank for and increasingly more difficult as you gain authority. Or you are the site that promotes high paying affiliate offers, we're not talking Amazon here, that then you know really sizzles their pages, optimizes the search intent, works on CRO. And also one thing we didn't mention for that type of site is link building to page. Builds a lot of links to that one page that you're trying to rank because it can make a lot of money. And or you are kind of like that hybrid site that publishes, you know, lots of info content, lots of commercial content, but mostly for like cheaper affiliate programs, Amazon type stuff, etc. And you can mix ads and affiliate on pretty much all your pages at this point. And again, you can be something in between. Like imagine if Kevin had like a very high paying affiliate program, maybe he would run no ads on that on that page and try to compete on that level for that one query, but not the rest. So like you can be a bit of everything, but usually you fall into in one of these three archetypes. And I think it's important to understand the subtle differences between each type of sites and kind of like, what's your North Star? Like, do I need lots of content? Do I need great pages? Do I need links to pages? Do I just need links to domain and good internal linking? Uh, do I need uh, to just do a bit of everything, like the hybrid site? Uh, and it's like, uh, it's gonna help you kind of like determine what's next. So I think it's an interesting point as, like, if you had to start a site today, which one would you go for? Which site, which, no, you can't really pick one you would go for because I, I guess there's niche research, right? But like, which one would you prefer running? I would say the affiliate, just because the ceiling tends to be a lot higher with that. And that's, that's I find that like more motive, like thinking of it in long-term perspective, like multi-year trying to make millions of dollars kind of thing. I think it's it's easier to do that with a affiliate site than, than an ad site. But, you know, honestly, the answer is probably a bit of both, right? I mean, Sumi did pretty well with the ad sites. So uh, if you look at him, it's like, it, it, you know, I would have put you in the ads category, actually, not to like belittle you or something, but because you rather, you'd rather build systems, have big, uh, like work on volumes of stuff. And I think it's more of your personality. And so like, I, it's like, I think you would enjoy that, that more than, I mean, if you look at the current test site, for example, like. I'm having debates about the products with our writer for like hours, you know, and we're like chatting about this and getting really into it, et cetera. Like, and you need to, to go to that. But at the same time, I'm much, much, much worse than you at the system stuff, getting lots of people producing lots of stuff at the same time, et cetera. So it's like, I would have seen myself more in the small affiliate site and you in doing uh, big ad sites. Yeah. I mean, I think you need both skills and yeah, yeah. both of them, right? Like it's not just like what one or the other. I, it's not quite so black and white. With the, I agree, but people want to know. So it's like you know they like this kind of like end debate. I'm just giving some hints on how we engage people on the podcast right now. So so if the guys at niche process want to copy, they can do it. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, personally, I like the I like those I like affiliate sites in in small niches now. I kind of enjoy it. Like small niches, but high paying. You know, I feel like you get results reasonably quick, and the growth curve in revenue can be. Like it's like it's still slow at the beginning, but then it the curve is nice. Whereas as the growth tends to be more kind of linear, you know, like it's still good growth, and I, we can see the sites making good money. But like you will have more that hockeystick effect on the high-paying affiliate than you will have on ads, and that's usually what's exciting. Usually, like like even linear growth when you have the same linear growth for the 18 months, 
It's just like, eh, <laughs> I don't care that much, even if it's great. Whereas if you like double every month for like a while, then like that's exciting, you know? I think that's a kind of like entrepreneur's curse in a way though. Like once you get to a certain point, you're, you're not going to have that 50% month on month growth like you do in the early days. But when you're there, you're typically making a lot of money. So that's, isn't that kind of more the goal? Yeah, I think that's that progress versus absolute numbers thing. It's like if you if you ask uh, Tim Cook how happy he is compared to like some startup guy, I'm pretty sure the startup guy is like happier, even though he's making a lot less money. And Apple is like, you know, Apple's, Apple growing 5% is like so much money. But like <laughs> the startup guy growing 500% in a year is like not that much. And I think the level of excitement is like much higher in a startup guy. So it's kind of, a, it's kind of interesting to think about that, that the emotions you feel do not match your level of success very often, you know? I think you said something, I know it was on the last episode, but like every business becomes a job eventually. Yes. Or something like that. And that's true. It's like, how excited were you to do this podcast on a scale of one to 10? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, I think we're going to end up here. I think uh, it, it depends. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it. But I hope you guys enjoy this podcast more than Mark enjoyed doing it. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks for the next episode. Uh, if you like this, subscribe, like, drop us a comment, and let us know what you want us to talk about in the next episodes. We are checking the comments on YouTube. We don't always reply, but we check. And we'll see you in two weeks. So, so see you later. Bye.